morning to the third day. Resurrection, which we're going to talk about today, third day living. And we've been looking at all the different aspects. You know, there's like seven times that Jesus said, I am. They're listed. Uh, we've only looked at a few of them. Today we're going to talk about I am the resurrection and the life. But we've been talking about the I am the light of the world, where Jesus uh, comes in and he, we invite him to shine into our life and to step into the kingdom of light from the kingdom of darkness and then to walk as children of light and then to live our lives open before him. We invite him to, to come and, and be the true vine through intimacy with him as we really work at, at drawing close to him. Sometimes when we want to draw back, we want to train ourselves to draw in close to him and stay connected to the vine. When uh, Nathan was talking about I am the way, the truth, the life, it's not a way, not some truth, you know, and, and certainly not just any life, but eternal life. Jesus came to redefine for us what God had in mind for us. On Good Friday, Brian was sharing with us about the Lamb of God, Jesus taking our place. It was all about God's intention to make a way for us to become his family again. We, we were... We were loved by God always, but we were far from God because of sin. And Jesus came to take our place, pay the price for sin, and to sacrifice his own body. And we, by faith in what Jesus has done, are able to then enter into the way of Jesus himself, into the way of the Father. Today we're going to talk about this third day living because we are celebrating today the fact that Jesus is our hope. I like hope to me. It talks about hopeful, overcoming persevering expectation. It's not just, well, I have an expectation that we're going to have a nice lunch today or I might get to eat before the day's out. It's a nice expectation, but it's a hopeful, overcoming, persevering expectation that holds through when things are trying to discourage us or weigh us down or we feel the weight of, of our past or the weight of problems or situations today. Easter, as we celebrate it, is a celebration of the resurrection. The cross dealt with the problem. The resurrection demonstrates the power. The cross expresses the love of God and the resurrection releases the eternal life of God. The empty cross symbolizes our victory in Christ. And the empty tomb declares that we have victory in life. You know, one of the most amazing things to me about when we think about the whole Easter season is I think about Jesus and I would say, you know, there's a lot of people who have heroes today and comic book heroes and made up heroes, but Jesus is my real hero. Jesus knew exactly what was ahead of him and he kept walking towards the cross. It's amazing to me because there's times I wish, well, I wish I knew that was coming. I didn't see that coming. I was sort of surprised. And like Andrea's, her, her own story, you know, she didn't see that coming. Sometimes you say, I wish I knew ahead of time. No, if you knew it ahead of time, you never would have taken that path. And God knows what we need to know and what we don't need to know, what's not helpful. Jesus knew everything that was going to happen to him. He knew who would be, betray him, who would stay with him. He knew when it's going to happen. There's times he, he drew back from Jerusalem, but this is the time he said, no, now's the time. And he went to Jerusalem deliberately on Palm Sunday. He deliberately stepped right towards it. And he boldly went to the cross, as Hebrews writer says, knowing the joy that was set before him. And so, you know, for me, to, for Jesus to know everything is there and realize he did that and he didn't do it for himself, he did it for us, he did it for the world. That's an amazing thing. And so when I think about 
Resurrection Sunday, when I think about this day that we celebrate, and I remember the words in John eleven twenty five where Jesus said, I am the resurrection and the life. We'll come back to that story about Lazarus. But I want you to think about this. In Matthew chapter 27, we see some of the story taking place around uh, this weekend. And on, on day one, we find Jesus uh, being put on the cross between 8 and 9 in the, in the morning. Between 11 and 3, the sky goes dark. The veil of the temple is rent. That which separated uh, man from God is, is ripped supernaturally from the top to the bottom. And we find that when Jesus dies on the cross that day, that first day, it's an amazing day as family and friends are gathered around and they're seeing their dreams die before them. And yes, Jesus told them why he was there. He told them he, was gonna, he, told them he were going to mock him. They're going to whip him. He'd be betrayed, he'd die, and third day later he would rise. He told them that numerous times, and more so near the end of his life. But they didn't get it. How many times have you said to someone, how come nobody ever told me that before? Uh, but somebody else who was there with you said, oh yeah, they told us about that. That's the most amazing thing about a three-part, you know, somebody has a problem, two people have a problem, you have a third party, because a third party can tell you what the person just said, because the other one said, well, they just said that. No, they didn't say that, they said because we don't hear too good when we already got our mind made up. And, and they just didn't understand. They didn't compute it all. They didn't, they didn't hear it even though Jesus said it. And even when it happened, they weren't saying, okay, so the, yeah, this happened, this happened, this happened. You know, he's dead. But he said he's going to raise three days. What do you think? Well, the disciples weren't quite sure about that, but the religious leaders remembered that he said he was going to raise after three days, and they were a little concerned about that. Whether they thought maybe this is like a miracle, because he did miracles, and they, tried, and they had to ignore them, even though they said, well, it's a notable miracle, but we don't want to do any further. So even so they saw the miracles, they chose to ignore it. So we don't know if they really thought that he would raise from the dead, or they were just concerned, as they said to Pilate, uh, let's post a guard because he, this is what he said, and, and maybe the disciples will come you know, at night and steal his body away, and they'll say he raised from the dead, and then it'll be worse than it ever was. So Pilate says, we'll post your guard. So they post the guard. This is the second day. This is the Sabbath. Now, as the guard is posted on the second day, we pick it up the story in Matthew chapter 28, and it says, Now after the Sabbath, which is the second day, as the first day of the week began to dawn, everybody say third day. All right, this is, the, this is why we worship on the first day, why evangelical church worships on the Sunday, because it's the first day of the week, but I want you to think it's third day. Mary Magdalene and the other Mary came to see the tomb, and behold, there was a great earthquake, for an angel of the Lord descended from heaven, came and rolled back the stone from the door and sat on it. His countenance was like lightning, and his clothing as white as snow, and the guards shook for fear of him and became like dead men. But the angel answered and said to the women, don't be afraid, for I know that you seek Jesus who was crucified. He's not here. He has risen. What do some people say when they say, he's risen? He's risen indeed. Uh, on Friday, some people say, well, fr it's Friday, but Sunday's coming. You know, we got these little things in there that help us remember as long as they just don't become things we just 
say. He's not here. He is risen, as he said. Come and see the place where the Lord lay, and go quickly and tell his disciples that he has risen from the dead, and indeed, he is going before you into Galilee, and there you will see him. Behold, I have told you. So they went out quickly from the tomb with fear and great joy and ran to bring his disciples' word. This is the third day. The third day, the celebration of the resurrection of Jesus. Peter Marshall, uh, he said this one time. He said, the stone was rolled away from the door, not to permit Christ to come out, but to enable the disciples to go in. You know, Jesus later would appear to the disciples and walk right through a wall when they were together in the upper room. But the rock needed to be rolled out of the way so the disciples could look in. Back to John chapter 11, verse 25, the story of Lazarus and Mary and Martha, his sisters. They were very close friends of Jesus. He loved them dearly. They got word that Lazarus was sick and would you please come? And Jesus actually waited Four days. People say, why, why four days? Well, he always talked about the third day he's going to rise, and there actually was uh, a thought during the day, religious leaders, that perhaps the spirit lingered for up to three days. So Jesus waited for four days. And he said, Lazarus sleeps, and the disciples pushed him, and finally he said, he's dead. So the fourth day he comes and he's dead and the girls meet him and the sisters say, Jesus, if you'd been here, Lazarus would not have died. But, but even yet, even now, no, they did not actually even now believe they had risen from the dead. They just don't. Even, even now, there'll be this resurrection someday. But Jesus said, I am the resurrection and the life. Resurrection literally means to have life infused back into body and to come out. We, you know, see in the Old Testament, we see a couple examples of resurrections. We see in Jesus' ministry uh, three times we find in the book of Acts. We went to see that movie Breakthrough. It was quite fascinating to see this fellow who had been so long uh, not breathing uh, for an hour. And... uh, all of a sudden, after prayer, start breathing again. And the doctors, all they can say was, it was interesting, at the end, they were quoting the doctor. Patient died, mother prayed, patient came back to life. That's <laughs> <laughs> but you know, when the Bible talks about resurrection, Jesus says, I'm the resurrection of life. He really wasn't most concerned about the physical body. That's really not what he's talking about. He's talking about the spiritually. I am the resurrection and the life eternal. When, if you're a Christ follower, when you accepted Jesus Christ, you received life eternal and everything changed whether it looked like it in the mirror or not. Everything changed. We, we, we step from life to life, not death to life as a believer in Jesus because you're already alive eternally. And we step from absent from the body, present with the Lord. It means you step from life to life. Everything has changed. Resurrection life. He said, I had power over death. In fact, in John chapter 10, verse 17 18, Jesus said, I have the power to lay down my life and I have power to pick it up again. I have the power to lay down my life, I have the power to take it up again. In other words, unless Jesus chose to lay down his life, they could never have put him on the cross. They, they tried to push him off cliffs. They tried to make him king. 
and Jesus would simply walk past them. Jesus was never a victim on the cross. Some people have chosen to point fingers and blame, and it's this person, and they crucified, and they, no, 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 no. And others have gone, well, we all crucified him. The reality is, is it sounds nice, and it's a little religious saying, but it's not true. Jesus put himself there. The Father sent Jesus for that purpose, and Jesus put himself on the cross. Rome wanted to destroy the king of the Jews, and the, and the, and the religious leaders of the day wanted to get Jesus, who was a problem, out of the way as well. But Jesus was doing something very different that day. He was fulfilling the will of the Father to make a way for all men and women to come back to him. It's an amazing thing when we see Jesus willingly lay down his life for the joy that was set before him so that he would be the first begotten from the dead and after there would be others who would arise as the begotten of God, sons and daughters. Last week we had a water baptism. In Romans chapter 6, Paul is talking about water baptism and it it has like four different parts to it. One is identification with Christ. You become a Christ follower. You identify with Christ. You're baptized by the Holy Spirit into the same body of Christ. So we all have been baptized by the same Spirit into the one body, and we're united in Christ, and we're supposed to keep that unity, but we're better at breaking unity than we are keeping unity But then as people walk down the stairs and they go into the water and they go under the water, they're buried with him. They're baptized into his death. His death that was death to self-will and acceptance of the Father's will. So we identify. This is not happening as the water baptism takes place, we don't believe, but it's showing what took place when you said yes to Jesus, and it's to remind us and remember that, and I firmly believe that something very special happens as you obey the Lord Jesus and follow his example and go into the water baptism. Something happens to solidify what has taken place. Firmly believe that. Otherwise, Jesus would not have been baptized himself and say, to fulfill our righteousness. Come on, John. It's okay. I need to do this as an example because there's a benefit to doing this. Buried with him into his death. And then, fortunately, we don't hold people under too long. All right, so it's just, you know, particularly, you, know, you, you bring them up quickly. You don't say how long. You, know, you don't say, we're going to count to three and then we'll bring you up. You don't tell them that. You just say, we're just going under and then we're just coming back up again because why? We're being raised up with Christ. Just as Christ was raised from the dead, we have been raised from the dead and now have new birth. We're new creations. We have a new life and we have new hope because of Jesus. And then we don't spend the rest of the service just standing in the baptismal tank because other people need to get in as well. So you start going up the steps and what happens then? Well, we're called to walk in newness of life. What does that mean, to walk in newness of life? Submitted to the will of the Father. Paul put it this way. If we died with Christ, we believe that we shall also live with him. And in Galatians 2.20 he said, I am crucified with Christ. I've been buried. I identify with his death and burial. I've been crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live, yet not I who lives. Can we say that together? 
yet not I who lives. It's like, well, if you were there, you'd go, well, Paul, it looks like you. He said, I've been crucified with Christ. Yeah, but you're, you're there talking to us, Paul. Like, what are you talking about? I've been crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live. Yet not I who lives, but Christ who lives in me and through me. In other words, we got added to Christ. Christ did not get added to us. We, we may know what we mean, but we get messed up with our theology sometimes because Jesus is not something we add to our life. He wants us to lose our life in him and to live his life. Allow him to live in us and through us with power and this newness of life, this resurrection life. I received an email from Brian Houston, and, and he just made little comments about Easter, and he says, what looked like death for one was the making of a way of life for all. I love that. Familiarity may be the greatest adversary, adversary, adversary of revival. He says, there's nothing familiar about the resurrection life of Jesus. It's a powerful reality. We celebrate that Jesus, in his humanity and divinity, came to earth and died for us all. He took our sin and shame and made us right with God. And we believe that this life-giving God rose from death into life and is still alive today, living in us. How extraordinary. I love that. There's nothing ordinary in what has taken place in your life and in mine. Nothing ordinary about Resurrection Sunday. Do you know that every time we gather, the first day of the week, we gather on a Sunday morning, we gather as the church of Jesus Christ. Every time we need to remind ourselves, it's the third day. No, it's the first day of the week. No, no, yeah, but every day of the week, I want you to get this by the time I'm done today, every day of the week can be a third day. I gave away the punchline, didn't I? Okay. Third day living is every day of the week can be a third day in the power of the resurrection. That's the point that Jesus is trying to make and that we need to realize and celebrate together today before Jesus. The cross, you know, we say it is finished. In fact, we sang it in one of the songs. What was finished? Well, we were saved from the power of sin. The empty tomb talks about resurrection power and that saved us to new life in Christ. So when they were delivered from Egypt, they went out from somewhere to go to somewhere. It's really important that when you repent and you go from one place to another, you turn from one direction to another direction, that you're not just from somewhere, you're going to somewhere. So you've been somewhere yesterday, but you're going to somewhere today. So we're saved from the power of sin, now we're saved to new life in Christ. Saved from the power of sin, as Brian was talking about, iniquity, Iniquity is not just simply sin. Iniquity is, the, is that power that controls your life that get, make, takes away your ability not to sin. Best way to describe it. It's that power that's inside you. You don't want to do the wrong thing, but you can't stop doing the wrong thing. That's iniquity. And Jesus took that. So, he broke the power of sin. So that's what Paul's talking about in Romans 6 when he says, don't let sin have dominion over you. He would not tell us not to if it was impossible for sin to. We said, don't let sin have dominion over you. Why? Because now what got finished was the power of sin's been broken. You now have the ability to say no to that. Now, how do we do that? With the power of resurrection, new life in Christ. 
the, the Spirit of Christ living, abiding within us. To, it's the walk of the Spirit. It's yielding to the Holy Spirit. It's yielding to the Father's will. It's the submitted life. It's one thing to make Jesus Savior. It's another thing for him to be Lord, and that decision and choice must be made every day, every single moment of every single day. And we, don't, we don't do that perfectly by any stretch of the imagination, but all we have to do is yield and submit ourselves to the will of the Father and allow the Holy Spirit to empower us, the Spirit of grace or the Spirit of Christ within us. You know, we, some people wear the cross, and as evangelicals will wear an empty cross, somewhere a cross with Jesus still on it, but, but we would celebrate the fact that the cross is empty. Um, but even better, you know, I think is if we were something that had a little empty tomb. And that would remind us that he's not in the tomb either. Uh, and because he's not in the tomb, there's still hope. And because he's not in the tomb, there's resurrection power and that Jesus has authority and power over death. Hell and the grave. And he's given that authority to us because he's given us his name. It's an amazing thing, but we need to be reminded because we forget. So I think it's awesome that we get to gather every week to worship on the first day of the week, which is Resurrection Sunday. It's the third day because we can remind ourselves when you wake up Monday morning, it can be a third day too to live in the power of resurrection. I love this song by, by Hillsong called The Passion. And uh, it says, the passion of our Savior, the mercy of our God, the cross that leaves no question of the measure of his love. But here's the piece that I love, and there's actually two lines that I'm particularly drawn to. Our chains are gone, our debt is paid, the cross is overthrown, the grave. For Jesus' blood that sets us free, get this, means death to death and life for me. Resurrection power, Jesus defeated death. Death to death, but life for me. Paul took that, par- that, that truth and took it a little parallel, and he'd say, you know, when we preach the gospel, it's life to some who receive it, and it's death to those who reject it. To some, it's the aroma of Christ, and to others, it's the aroma of death, because they reject it and refuse it. Death to death, but life for me. I don't know what it is about that, but I heard these words uh, two weeks ago, just fresh. I'd sung the song before, but I heard it fresh, and the, the line, death to death and life for me, just kind of lit up on the inside of me. Because there are times we feel like death has won, that the dreams have died, and that's no reason to hope. But in Romans chapter 4, we see Abraham, the father of faith, said, who against all hope continued to hope. That's the point. We hope something we don't yet see, we don't have. You can see with your eye of faith. Faith is the substance of things, what? Hoped for. Hope gives you a vision. Faith helps you to be able to see it, but when it's here, you don't need hope or faith anymore. But we trust him on those days that are the most difficult to trust him. Ephesians chapter 1, verses 15 to 23, I encourage you to go take a look at this sometimes. There's so much in this first chapter of Ephesians, you could literally stay on the chapter for a couple months, easy. But there's three things I want us to see in verse 19 and 20. The first is this, the resurrection power. This has changed. It says, the hope of your calling and the glory of his inheritance to give you this new resurrection power. It says, the greatness of his power, the exceeding greatness of his power. This word power means dunamis or inherent power. 
power that resides within or nature of a person that exerts. It says, this power towards those who believe. Then it says, according to this working. And this word working is operative power of his mighty power. God's force, strength, power, great power. This is is the almighty God that can do all things. Which he worked, made active and efficient in Christ when he raised him from the dead. And then Paul says this to us. This is the same spirit that raised Christ from the dead, lives and abides in you. Same spirit, same power resides within us. See, the Christian life is really an impossible life to live in our own strength. Totally impossible to live successfully in our own strength and power. Paul said to church at Corinth, he says, you know, you're, you're just acting like carnal people. And, and we don't use that word carnal a whole lot, but it meant you're, you're acting as people without the spirit, but you do have the spirit. So in other words, you have the power of God within you, but you're not acting like you have the power of God within you. You have the grace of God within you, but you're not responding like it. You're not acting like it's a third day. Day. Resurrection life. The power of God residing within us. The second thing is we have new position in Christ. It says Christ was seated at the Father's right hand in heaven. And then in, in verse 6 of chapter 2, it says, Now we have been raised up together to sit together in Christ. Jesus is seated at the right hand of the Father, but we are seated together with him in heavenly places. We have a new position in Christ Jesus now. When it talks about in him or in Christ, we see those terminologies used throughout the New Testament. It's because we've been baptized by one spirit into the body of Christ, and there is only one body of Christ. It's the church of Jesus Christ. And it doesn't matter if you're in Canada or you're in another nation of the world. If you're in the church of Jesus Christ, there's one church, one body, one spirit. And then the third thing he says is, you've been given new dominion. So new resurrection power, new position in Christ, new dominion over the works of darkness, far above all principality and power. This is excusia. This means ability, privilege, force, capacity, competency. It's delegated influence. Overall, might and dominion. Above every name that is named because Jesus has been given the name which is above every name and he's given his name to the church. It goes on to read in the same chapter one, it says because he is the head of his church. All things have been placed under his feet as the head of the church. Third day, Third day living. Uh, let's be real practical for a couple minutes just before we finish up here. I want to say, what does it mean to have third day living? It means that not only can we be reminded when we come together on a Sunday, we can remind each other it's resurrection, um, that Jesus is not in the tomb, that he lives, he has power over death, hell, and the grave, that all authority has been given to Jesus. 
But we can literally wake up every day of the week if we can remind ourselves, if we can remember. This is going to be a third day today. I'm going to live according to a third day living today. I can, I can do two things on Monday morning. You can do two things on Monday morning. We can forget all about Easter and say, well, that's gone. <laughs> Till next year. Or we could go B, we could remember next Sunday when we gather together again. We can say, well, oh, remember, yeah, we're talking about this. First day of the week, Resurrection Sunday, that's why we do this. Okay, third day living today. Let's go into worship and let's hear, let's hear the word and it'll be exciting and go home again and do the same thing next Sunday. And that's better than forgetting all about it. Or we could choose to get up Monday morning. I can choose to remind myself. Okay, Steve. It may not look like it, it may not feel like it, but you can choose. I can choose that today is the third day. I can choose to live according to a third day principle of resurrection life today. I can make this about you and not about me. I can make it about what you have, not what I don't have. I can make it about your strength, not my weakness. I can make it about my hope in Jesus Christ, not what's not right, not, what's, not the way I wanted it. We sing that song, you know, God is up to something good. You know, sometimes, you know, Beth knows this, sometimes she'll say, oh, it's all good, Steve, just relax, it's all good. I say, it's not good! <laughs> do, you know, do you know that bad stuff happens to good people? You know, they just, you know the Father says, God says, I, I reign on the just and the unjust. So stuff happens to you. Stuff doesn't stop happening to you because you accept Jesus. If anything, you're more threatened now than you were before to the kingdom of darkness. So when she says that, you know, it's, it's all good, I'm saying it's, it's not all good. I mean, God's good, but this is not good. Come on, I don't know if you have it in your life, you go, that's not good. All right, but God is good. So in the midst of this is not good, could God be working something good? Could God be doing something good, setting something up that we aren't aware of yet? Is he the author and the finish of our faith? Does he know how to get you to the finish line? He who started a good work in you, he will complete it if we allow him to complete it. He has everything he needs to complete my life, complete your life, and bring us to a place that he sees us in Christ. Tuesday morning. <sighs> Tuesday morning, got to get up early, got that meeting. Now, third day living, opportunity. Wednesday morning, I'm off to good life again on a Wednesday morning, Monday, Wednesday, Friday. So here, I got, means you got to get up a little earlier, maybe go down there. and uh, yeah, I'm a little tired, I didn't sleep that good last night. Or, okay, Steve, come on, get it together. Third day living, it's a choice, it's a decision to live submitted to the Father's will. Every day. Every day can be third day living. If we remember, if we make a choice. And we can make a choice now because on the cross it was finished. You don't have to sin anymore. We do, we have, we will. But we don't have to. You know how long it takes to get things right? About as long as it takes when you talk to your little child and they got a bad attitude and you say, you better change that eye, put a smile on that face, and they do it that fast. That's about how long it takes to get right after you got it wrong. Father loves us, already forgiven us, already dealt with our past. We don't have to sin, but if we blow it and we do sin, ah, you get back on the horse. 
Because this is what third day living is about. We, we, it says to us, I've been given a new start today, a new beginning. I have a new life, a new identity. The old man's passed away. I'm a new creation in Christ Jesus. And today I get a new start. That's what the prophet was prophesying when he said, there are new mercies every morning. Mercies of God new every morning. Why? Because we need new mercy every morning. Every night we recount the faithfulness of God because we need to so we can lay our head down and know God is faithful this day and he'll be faithful this night. Secondly, we got, it's got, you got to get back up again on the third day. You realize I got to get back up again. You got to get back on that horse. How many have been thrown off a horse before? You know, it's not so bad to get thrown off a horse. What I hate getting thrown off is a little pony. So my story is about a 21-year-old pony on my buddy's farm. And I, I was never on a, grew up on a farm, but my friends had a farm. So I spent a lot of time on farms. So there's this little pony. And he was like 21. And he was so fat we couldn't get the, the saddle on anymore. And so, and you, in your legs, you know, they, even now I don't think my legs would have gone around him very good. But they would have been better than I was at this age. And so we're going through the orchard. I want to go left. He want to go left. He want to go right. And I said, okay, I don't want to care. Well, let's go right. As soon as we started to commit to the right, he changed his mind. We left. And I just slipped right off. Because there's nothing. But you know what? I had to go get that pony. He said, you want to go back to the barn. And I had to get back on him again before I could put him back in the barn. Because everybody will tell you, if you don't get back on that, the first of all, the horse will remember it the next time. And you'll remember it. And they may not be the next time. It's the same thing with life. Resurrection life, third day living says, get up again. Just get up again. I think it's David, he writes, you get knocked down by the righteous, raise up seven times. Seven times is just that, it's not seven times, it means like as many times as necessary. Resurrection life says, just get back up again. When the enemy says there's no hope, we just say, no, no, after the enemy said there's no hope, there's resurrection. God always has a plan, and it's not over till he says it's over. That's hope eternal. The third thing is this, we, we've been given the victory. It's a reminder that when I wake up and I say, oh, this is gonna be, I'm going to be third day living today, I'm reminded I've been given a victory. Uh, the cross was a place of victory over the power of sin, and the tomb was, and the resurrection was a victory over death itself. When he wiped out the handwriting that was against us, it said in Colossians chapter 2, having disarmed principalities and power, he made a public spectacle of them, triumphing over them in it. And Paul put it this way in 1 Corinthians, 1 Corinthians chapter 2, or sorry, chapter 1, verse 20. He said, in him, in Jesus, all the promises of God are yes and amen. And Jesus has proven it for all time that he was victorious over death and that he is the giver of eternal life and that he is the hope of the world. And that's the message we have as, as the church of Jesus Christ. Jesus is the hope of the world. The only hope that the world has is that the church will give the message if the church will say Jesus is the hope of the world. That's the challenge for us. To live every day, third day living. Third day living. We've been given the victory. Get back up, and every day is a new beginning.
and a new start. Father, we thank you that you loved the world so much that you sent Jesus, and Jesus loved the world and you so much that he was willing to submit his will to you. It's why we call him Savior. It's why we call him Lord. And we just pray right now in this moment that you would help each one of us to decide what does it look like for third day living in my world? How do I remind myself that it's not the end, it's just a new start, new beginning. I'm going to get back up again and that I already have the victory in Christ Jesus. We, we lean in right now. We ask you, Holy Spirit, speak to each one of us, we pray. So your head bowed. I'm just asking this question. Perhaps you're here today and you don't have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. You know, maybe you came for Easter and you just thought you came with somebody and maybe you don't know how much God really loves you. He created you, but he didn't create you for no purpose. He created you with purpose, and he loves you. Jesus came, gave his life, and then was raised from the dead in order to give life and hope to us. It starts with a choice and a decision. Nobody can make the decision for you to have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ, but no one else can stop you either. It's your choice. It's your opportunity. And just before we continue, I'd love the opportunity just to pray with you. If that's you, just look at me right now. Just wave at me wherever you see it today. Just put your hand up for a moment. Just say, I'm going to give my life to God today. I'm going to give my life to Jesus today. I don't know everything that means, but I'm going to, I'm going to yield my life. I'm going to give my will to him. I want to find out what he has for me. I want to know the life of God in a new way, fresh way, the love of God. I'm going to ask you all you know, if you'd stand to your feet right now and um, take a posture of receiving, if you would, for a moment. I'm going to read one verse out of Romans 15. It's kind of been our theme, theme verse, and um, it just kind of wraps some thoughts together in a very distinct statement. One verse, Romans chapter 15. I'm going to invite you just to close your eyes for a moment, and if you feel comfortable, just put your hands, palms up, just like you're going to receive something from God because you are, but spiritually, not physically. Now may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in your believing, in your trusting of him, in order that you may abound in hope, abound in hope by the power of the Holy Spirit within you. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name.